Hello everyone, welcome to GradCast. You are listening to Western University's only radio show and podcast for grad students by grad students. My name is Nick. And I'm Chantal. And today we have a very special guest with us because now every episode we mention that we are a production of SOGS and that's the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. And today we have the privilege of introducing Madison Bettel, who until very recently was the SOGS Vice President of Student Services. How are you doing uh, this evening, Madison? I'm pretty good. Thank you for having me, GradCast. Now, why don't you uh, start by telling us what VPSS is? What, What does that role entail? The VP Student Services oversees a number of portfolios. One of the main things is the SOGS health plan. So without SOGS, graduate students wouldn't have supplementary health care. So that's pretty important. We also provide graduate students with a bus pass, also pretty significant. And then underneath that, uh, the portfolio oversees three committees, uh, the Orientation Social Committee, which runs graduate student orientation, as well as the International Graduate Student Issues Committee, which oversees both social and political issues for international graduate students. And of course, the Health Plan Committee, which chooses the health care provider for SOGS. Wow. <laughs> so it's, you know, part time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it does end up being a full-time job, and in fact, I treated it like a full-time job. It was pretty glued to the work that I did. And so how long were you in that position for? I was the VP Student Services for three years and five months. And how did the did it always look the same, from, or did things change as you... Things did you know? change. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, back then I was... The VP position was elected in May. Uh, I recently, sorry, yes, back back in May, and then it was uh, taken back to uh, sep- like September, October, which was awkward. And so now we put it back to May, which makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Orientation is larger than life now. Mm. Uh, it was not then. It was three days when I took it on, and this past year it was an entire week worth of events. Pretty exciting, and it was our fiftieth year anniversary, so it was particularly intense. We had our first dance party <laughs> for Gra- so many years. Gradcast actually participated in the um, yeah. in the amazing race oh. Uh, oh, yeah. activity right. this year, yeah. which is a really cool way to get to know the campus when you first arrive. Yeah, amazing race has taken off quite a bit. And I believe we came fourth, right? Oh, we came fourth. So. Very just, yeah. just so that everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, this is an incredible amount of work that you did, and and I think you know, as someone who uses the bus pass all the time <laughs> and who has glasses, which mm-hmm. if you don't have glasses, they're so expensive, mm-hmm. and the healthcare plan really helps uh, for costs for that. Um, so that's but it's incredible amount of work, and I'm just wondering, like, you know, you're you're doing your you know your graduate work which is already I'm assuming like a lot of work in general mm-hmm. what possibly made you think I'm going to take on a full-time job in 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 addition to all that well I'm going to get a little real here if okay. I may um, <laughs> I actually became the VPSS when I was uh, entering into year X uh, you know okay. that year that special year uh, I didn't have a lot of money so uh, not that I took on SOGS for that alone. I had already been involved with SOGS for a few years before that. Uh, but the reality was I, I did need some help. Uh, but I'm also really passionate about student government. Mm. So I did make SOGS uh, more of a priority than I did my own thesis, hence why I'm still here three years later. Mm. Uh, but now that I'm retired from SOGS, I'm hopefully going to get back to writing my thesis. But you're right. Um, it is a, a lot of work. And... Uh, the reality is SOGS executives, at least VPs, are only compensated at five hours mm. a week. And uh, 
that's about half a TA ship. The president gets about a full TA ship. So hourly, yeah, it's good wage. But when you think about how much time and energy and all the mm. work that's put into this role, just like contract faculty, we're making like two bucks an hour. Yeah. For sure. I um, for the la- myself for the last uh, few years have sat uh, as a counselor mm-hmm. on SOGS and uh, and it's been really cool to watch how some of the portfolios have changed or grown to watch things like the graduate peer support program come into existence mm-hmm. to watch things like the wellness joint fund come into existence to watch things like graduate wellness week get started and this is these are all things that you sort of spearheaded along the way so I'm really curious about what um what drove you to to starting something like gradness grad uh, the grad wellness week and can you share a bit about that yeah so two years ago uh, I was sitting in a room with like sort of western student experience and the then wellness education coordinator Melanie Ann Atkins and I was talking about how we needed to have more like distinct events for graduate students, especially during Western's quote unquote wellness week, because everything is really geared towards undergraduate students. So I was lamenting, you know, just more like, why, why? And Melanie Ann Atkins said to me, why don't you just, just, just do your graduate wellness week, just do it. And but it was, it was August, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I, you know what, fine. So like within less, about a month, I sort of put together like it was the end of August, I put together an entire week's worth of events for graduate students. And uh, that was the year we brought in the Lego grad student. Uh, lots of hype and grad cast interviewed the Lego grad student. So if you haven't listened to that <laughs> interview, you should check it out. Uh, and, you know, this past year we had Jenny Massey, the new uh, uh, AVP student experience, uh, amazing guest speaker, uh, talk candidly about her experience in graduate, graduate school. And that was that was the big thing for me both both years talking candidly about the realities of graduate school. Some pushback from administration on, you know, where and when that's okay to do that. But I think it's important that graduate students have the space to talk about those issues. Why do you think it's it's taken so long to, you know, address these issues? Uh, Well, so the the reality is these issues are pretty controversial in the sense that uh, graduate student poverty, uh, the relationship between student and supervisor, very precarious, like, mm. you know, don't want to step on anyone's toes. Uh, those, is- those, those conversations are very difficult to have, especially because oftentimes Western administration likes to say, well, we don't have enough money. We can't give graduate students the, the amount of money that uh, they need to make a living wage. Mm. Uh, of course, there's pushback on the other side saying, well, I mean, the recent campaign raised over $800 million, you know, the Be Extraordinary campaign. And I feel like graduate students are pretty extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of them are entitled to that money. Uh, so the thing is, they are difficult conversations to have. The university is constantly having these difficult conversations, be it with graduate students or faculty. As as you know, uh, we're on the verge of a potential strike here. And so uh, the, the idea is we need to keep pushing back. And Graduate Wellness Week was, on the one hand, a way to encourage graduate students to look after their mental health because, you know, we're stressed all the time. Pra- you need to practice self-care, but also to bring more light to these many issues that uh, we often don't want to talk about. I think in grad school, there's there's this sort of um, expectation that, you know, you have to be working all the time and and, you know, you you go to your lab or your whatever classes or whatever it is. And then you go home and work like until 12 and then you wake up at six and keep going the whole time, Um, which is, you know, 
probably an unrealistic expectation. So, you know, just from what you've learned from these wellness weeks that you've developed, what are some suggestions you have for grad students to address these issues? I think the biggest issue is the culture at graduate school. It needs to change. And there's been, as I said before, pushback in terms of, you know, who brings about that change. You know, graduate students who are often marginalized, not always listened to, don't have a lot of power. Why should we be expected to be the ones who change that culture? We don't we don't have the authority or power to do that. But often, you know, some figures push back and say, well, you know, that takes time. And they claim to be working on it. And some are, which is great. And the reality is during Wellness Week, it was sort of a mixture of you should take a break and practice self-care. That's very important. But at the same time, stretch breaks aren't going to fix the problems in graduate school. It's more than that. So I created this this component called Candid Conversations. Uh, You know, some of the things we talked about was sexual harassment in graduate school. Very often not talked about subject. The student-supervised relationship. So Jennifer Meister, the ombudsperson, came and, you know, led a scenario about that. Uh, Equity and Human Rights was there. We also had a professor come and just talk about work-life balance. So what you're talking about, these unrealistic expectations. Incredible. Like, I mean, the imposter syndrome. Every graduate student plagued by the imposter syndrome. You just can't get away from it. Like, do I belong here? I'm a failure. I don't finish in four years. Does it mean that I don't belong in the academic world? Like, no one loves me. I'm so (laughs) sad. Like, that's. I feel that way all the time. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is really hard. (laughs) How does does graduate peer support fit into any of this? So I'm going to be honest, not every graduate student is necessarily going to choose to physically leave their home and go to campus and go into a room with a bunch of other graduate students and be like, this is hard. But some students don't want to go talk to a psychologist about Mm -hmm. those issues. They want a more informal setting. They want to speak to a peer, someone who is going through the same thing that they are. They want to hear. Someone who gets it. Yeah. They want to hear from someone else being like. I, like, I understand how you feel. Well, how could you? I mean, most non-academics don't understand yeah. how, you know, PhD yeah. candidates feel. So you want to talk to someone else who is in essentially your shoes. I remember trying to explain to my mother once. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about some sort of struggle I was going through at school. Um, and I was talking with one of my mom's good friends. She's a professor. And she was really understanding. And I started crying as I was explaining mm-hmm. it. My mom got so worried about this. Yeah. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm actually okay. I think that these tears are like the equivalent of, you know, when you run, you sweat a lot. My brain and my emotions, this is this is just emotional, intellectual sweat. It's very normal. I hope. I hope. I have to hope, right? (laughs) Normal for grad school, at least. Normal for grad school. (laughs) I mean, grad students do experience stress at an enormous rate, more than most uh, people. In fact, there was a a scientific study that came out this past year in in Nature uh, um, Art. Like, it was a Nature magazine. It's apparently one of the, like, top journals in, in the science field. And this article was talking about how graduate students experience six times the amount of stress than any other group of people. I don't mean like undergrad or faculty, I mean like any <laughs> other group of people. Like, what does that mean? Graduate students are so stressed. Yeah. We're so stressed. And like, we like there is science backing this up. And why isn't there more work being done? Not just like to continue to prove what we already know, but work like as in services and supports and 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 programming to ensure that graduate students aren't this stressed because no one should be this stressed completing a degree you know of course challenging that makes sense but you know we we shouldn't have like mental health crises like you know from day to day that's not okay do you see um 
that it's do you think it's getting harder for grad students just especially with you know you hear all the time like it's you know more difficulty to find faculty now um you know a more difficult job economy that sort of thing yeah so i think there's like two sides to that on the one hand i think it's difficult because of what comes after like mo like most students don't find jobs in the academic world and, and that that takes a toll on a lot of students because as my supervisor liked to tell me when he graduated he just needed to have like an article published and then you can get a tenure track job you, that doesn't happen anymore when i went to a professional de- development workshop at the like the most prestigious conference in my field a few years ago the, the dean who was running the conference there said, if you want a contract job, you have to have at least three articles published, a book published, and a forthcoming book published before you finish your PhD, if mm. you even want an interview. What is that? <laughs> I mean, yes, I get it. You know, there's just so many people who are, who are currently in their tenure, dr- tenure track jobs, and of course they're not going to retire. Like, why would they retire at the normal age? Like, of course, they would continue to work and get paid this wonderful amount of money until they physically can't work anymore. I get that. I totally do. But the reality is faculty in the academic world need to change their approach to grad school. They need to prepare themselves to actually teach students about non-academic work. Mm. I mean, and they shouldn't be framing it as alt-ac careers, as though it's just like, well, you didn't make it in the yeah, academic exactly. world, yeah. so here's some alternatives that you could consider. That's that's framing it in such a negative light, right. and the, the rhetoric and the conversations need to change. That's interesting. Do you think that it might be the case where, uh, for instance, schools are simply um, exce- uh, admitting too many like grad students into their programs so that you have, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of grad students, but only very few sort of academic pathways at the end. Yeah, I, I think it's a little dishonest in oh, a way to okay. to accept like the amount of students that they do. At the same time, obviously, if you have enough undergraduate students to give TA ships right. to to grad students, then I'm okay with that. But we, as we all know, in the arts and arts and humanities enrollment is dropping quite significantly and that's part of a larger cultural problem thanks to various people in the world <laughs> who are very intellectual intellectual it's november 6 uh, anyway uh so i think it's important that you know we find that balance like that the grad departments recognize that of course we want to like foster this like intellectual community not necessarily to produce more like academics per se, but, you know, to produce critical thinkers, like that remind the world that research and factual based evidence is very important, especially now more than ever. Um, And and I don't want to lose that at the same time. If you if you do not have enough money to pay your grad students, like if you can't give them a TA ship, can't give them enough funding to like, you know, earn a living wage then then you're not you're, like you're doing a disservice to these students and that's something that they should always consider before letting students in i totally agree i think that that when your finances are really precarious that uh that i mean it's an, it's a very difficult way to live especially when you're like a grown-up you know mm-hmm. like um or you're supposed to be yeah. somehow um graduate student poverty is really a, a widespread issue and concern is that something as vp student services came into your like 
pro-view a lot? Or? Yeah, and in fact, uh, graduate student poverty is listed as uh, one of the central issues affecting graduate students uh, on the like, within the document, the Western Strategic Mental Health Plan. The idea that uh, the, the student-supervisor relationship, uh, student poverty, um, uh, the the lack of jobs after after graduate school. These are a number of like issues that are listed in the document itself. And uh, it okay, was, but the document yeah. is called a strategic plan. Yes. So mm-hmm. does it get to the plan part? So the the problem with the plan uh, is that those issues are mentioned in a kind of appendix section of the document. When you act when you read the document without the appendix, a lot of students will ask the question where do I see myself in this? A lot of grad students. A lot of grad students, yeah. A lot of the rhetoric, the language is very undergrad-centric. And I sat on the Western Western's Mental Health uh, and Wellness Advisory Committee for several years mm. and spent several years sort of arguing with uh, various members of the committee, or not arguing, but sort of explaining the difference, the distinct differences between undergraduate students and graduate students. And uh, it was it was, you know, one hurdle after another because there were a lot of people who could not understand the difference between us, you know, mm. never mind that graduate students are responsible for undergraduate student education or that we are actually like half of us are employees of the school. Mm. Undergraduate students are not. I mean, mm. these are these are serious like conversations that a graduate student who has no power had to explain to high rollers mm. at this university. And I found that very frustrating. So what what do you mean exactly by like undergrad centric? What like what's an example? So, um, like class, like classroom-based learning. The idea uh, that, like, you know, um, you know, framing it as, I don't, I don't want to say handholding of undergraduate students, but there was a lot of handholding, and of course, there's some pushback from faculty about, like, well, how, how involved am I supposed to be in, in, in the, in the outside classroom life of my, of my undergraduate student, and uh, it's, it's, but for the grad student, but yeah, so it's, it's so it's different, right? That? Yeah, and again, that's a very specific example, but. Again, uh, like there was very little language, and in fact, if you search, if you like, Control F the document, like the word the word grad student is only mentioned two or three times. Wow. And how long is the document? Like at least fifteen pages. Oh wow! And it's not finalized. Like it's it's still draft, but the fact that it you know it took me three <laughs> years just to get grad students even mentioned in it, like that that says a lot, I think, about where we're well, what's going on these days. And I'm not saying that like no one. No one's listening. It just, I don't think it should take that amount of time to get a specific demographic, like, um, on the table, like, mm-hmm. as a priority. And, and not, like, postdocs, forget it. Like, postdocs aren't mentioned at all. So, like, oh. it's just, it, you know, it, it's and it's hard. And, and I had to be the one to point out that postdocs weren't mentioned. And mm-hmm. I don't even represent them. Right. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's interesting because there's these uh, certain categories of sort of, student life mm-hmm. or like where you t- seem to kind of fall through the cracks right like you're, you're technically a student but your life does and your in your programming requirements look distinctly different from a student you have the responsibilities often of faculty or teaching um, expectations but you aren't exactly faculty yeah right and so you're you're neither one nor the other mm-hmm. And there's, it seems very difficult to recognize the what ha, 
the disadvantage to sort of being both, right? Yeah, we wear many hats. And the fact that we had to point this out several times to the president of the university in several meetings was very frustrating. The idea that it's convenient for Western to acknowledge us as students sometimes and inconvenient at others. For sure. Uh, and there's, there's, there's constant pushback. But sometimes, you know, some figures are, are more willing to listen than others, usually behind closed doors yeah. and not in public settings. And, and despite all those feedback, when I look back at some of these things over the last three years, you've done an admirable job of 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 creating really incredible spaces for us. So I wonder when you look back mm-hmm. over the last three three years, five months mm-hmm. to be exact, mm-hmm. um, what what are some of the things you're most proud of that came out of your time serving SOGS? I think putting graduate students uh, in the in the periphery of Western mm. administration was a huge win. Uh, it, like it took forever to you know, to explain to people the difference between a grad student and undergrad, and unfortunately, sometimes the conversation is still and also grad students as though we are still an afterthought. But a lot of times, people are now framing their presentations having thought about grad students before, right? As opposed to just seeing that we're at the table and like, oh no, right. <laughs> like one of those things, right? So that that is a big difference like that I've seen in the last three years. So, and the conversation around graduate students has, has definitely very much changed. In fact, there are a lot of administrative figures who are at least willing to say in a little bit more public settings that there are such thing as quote unquote bad supervisors, that right. they do in, they do exist and that mm-hmm. graduate students are not responsible for the fact that they don't finish in four years. So mm-hmm. I'd like to think that I'm sort of part of this very, very slow changing of grad culture, mm-hmm. but it's going to take some serious amount of push and uh, working with administration to get to where we, we need to be. And to be honest, I, I can't imagine that like a huge cultural shift is not going to happen for at least five to 10 years, unfortunately. What do you, what is your, or what are your sort of main, like, uh, I guess, ideas or suggestions to either the new VPSS or just grad students in general uh, to start making those changes? I think one of the, the hugest issues was graduate students are so removed from each other and the fact that Western counts on graduate students not talking to each other about these issues so it allows them to sort of float in this kind of chamber of ignorance not like in a bad way but in this idea that they don't get each other angry enough to do something about the situation and I feel that if more graduate students um, entered these spaces where all of them could get really riled up about these issues and and, and pushed back um, a lot more as a group rather than just you know the five executive you know fighting this battle because according to administration like they don't see any discord or upset right. among graduate students because grad students often are too afraid to reveal right. that they are upset well sometimes it can be hard if your supervisor may maybe is also your associate dean mm-hmm. or if you're you know like if they, there's a lot of overlap there that can be difficult to to know if you're safe to bring that up but it's good to know that sogs might be a good place yes. where you can mm-hmm. bring that up one thing that We've we've been talking about sort of like the pushback from like administration, for example. Is that all from just, you know, like, I guess, ignorance or is it like a numbers game where they're like, we don't want to spend our efforts for, you know, this fraction of the whole student body? Or is it like a financial thing? That's I'm a good question. Curious. Like, what are the challenges yeah. that, that they're facing? I yeah. mean, they often say that finances are the biggest challenge, except when you everyone is saying 
someone else is responsible. Mm. Like sometimes, uh, like the president will say that the school graduate in postdoctoral studies is responsible, and then they'll say, no, the president's office is responsible. And everyone's sort of passing the buck. And like, I don't blame anyone individually because that doesn't help anything at all. Mm. But I think if we just stop playing this game, this politics game, which I've seen for so many years, having been in this role for so long, and I'm just tired of admin figures like playing the game. Like they don't need to. Mm. Western just raised over $800 million. Like Western has money. It's not a finance game. Just pay your employees like at at the rate of inflation, like at the very least, (laughs) you know, and and stop pretending that graduate students are responsible for not finishing in four years. Like they're not, that's, that's not their fault. It's the system that is working against them. Mm-hmm. Like, stop, stop pretending like we don't know what's really going on. Right. So I think grad students should just bond together a little bit more. Uh, SOGS is a great space for them to do that. Uh, and I think we can find ways to have productive uh, rather than, like, you know, scary conversations with administration. Um, that's, yeah, excellent. Excellent. So now that you're you're done, you know your tenure at being the VPSS. I'm I'm curious about what what's next for you. Like, what is your future plans now that you suddenly have not this SOG stuff to do? I guess. So I teach at Fanshawe College, mm-hmm. uh, so that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, and I'm a SOG's counselor, so I'm still sticking around. Um, and I just just trying to finish that thesis because I really don't want to be a grad student anymore. As much as I do care about every other grad student and wanting to fix the culture here, it's just it's it's time to move on. And for once in the last th- three years and five months, I do need to start taking care of myself. Self-care. Right. Self-care is key. <laughs> yes. Take some of the lessons you've been trying to tell everyone else and exactly. apply them to yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So we're uh, approaching the end of our show. Uh, we were wondering if you have any, if people want to contact you or if they, if, if they want to find out about more about uh, SOGS, for example. Well, if anyone wants to talk to me, uh, I can't fix uh, any problems on an official level, but they can contact me at mbettle at uwo.ca if they want to ask me about stuff. But if you want to get involved with SOGS, I'd email the SOGS executive at executive at SOGS.ca. Uh, they're the best people to speak to in terms of getting involved. Many of them oversee a number of committees. If you care about the environment, we have a sustainability committee. If you like talking to each other on air, you have GradCast. That's Thanks right. for all your work, guys. <laughs> uh, if you like bylaws, you can join our bylaws committee. There's just there's something for everyone. Graduate student government is severely underrated. And honestly, it made my time at uh, Western at grad school, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it weren't for SOGS. In fact, I wouldn't have uh, got my job at Conestoga College for two years if it hadn't been for SOGS. Uh, they liked my work with student services and mental health, and they hired me, even though I had no experience. So there you go. Get involved <laughs> with SOGS and get a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Perhaps know also that, that, uh, that SOGS has really benefited a lot from your involvement, and, uh, and it's really wonderful. All of the initiatives are, that you created are still going strong, and, um, and I know you leave a strong legacy behind. Thanks. And I am pretty excited. For three years, I pushed uh, the creation of the uh, Grad Student Life Coordinator, and it turns out, even though it's not quite official yet, that... Jenny Massey, the new ABP student experience, is going to create one very, very soon. So Fantastic. hopefully that person will be paid full time to do what I've been doing for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Madison, so much for being on our show. We are now at the end of our episode, so we just want to give a huge shout out to SOGS, who supports us in the creation of these episodes. Um, we really couldn't 
do what we do without without their support. So you have been listening to Gradcast, and if you want to listen to us, uh, we air every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on CHRW 94.9. And you can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, or on our website, which is gradcast.ca. And also don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Gradcast Radio. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can contact us on by email at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a great evening. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.